Welcome everybody to Radical Civility. My name is Ben Piccini. Um, and today I wanted to talk a little bit about white Christian nationalism. I think that this will be a really good opportunity to, um, th there are two or three things going on all at once. And, and, and today is a good chance to, to kind of parse them a little bit. I'll let each of my guests introduce themselves real quick, and then we'll dive right into the topic at hand. Uh, Carl, why don't you start and then we'll go to Christopher. Hello, everyone. My name is Carl Cranny. I have a PhD in systematic theology from the Catholic University of America, and I am the co-host of the podcast Pop Culture on the Apricot Tree. And otherwise, uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad right now, independent scholar, and uh, Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master. <laughs> the most important for last. I like that. That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> Christopher. My name is Chris Cunningham. I'm the managing editor of Public Square Magazine. I live here in Las Vegas with my three kiddos. Fantastic. All right. So uh, a few weeks back, there was an article. Um, yeah. So Taylor Petrie wrote, uh, I would say, a provocative article. I don't think that that's, that's an unfair way to say that um, in um, the Salt Lake Tribune. So let me pull that up really quick so that our, our YouTube audience can take a look at it. So it's right over here. It says, Taylor Petrie, LDS support for Christian nationalism should raise the alarm. Christian nationalism is a dangerous to religious freedom and the constitution. Um, we're going to get into that article today. I also want to talk just a little bit about a, a separate article, uh, Christopher, that you wrote, which is called um, White Christian Nationalism. Um, and so I'll pull that up really quick. Um, and maybe we can summarize that in a minute. Um, and then the, the background on all of this is that there's a, a little bit of, of polling data from uh, Pew, I believe it's Pew, uh, PRRI, a Christian nation understanding the threat of Christian nationalism to American democracy and culture, um, where they basically go through and ask some really interesting questions. There's a battery of questions um, where they're effectively asking, um, what is the, um, what, to what extent are we a Christian nationalist country? Um, what are the questions that they ask? And then they also do it by um, by by different denominational breakout. And so, um, Chris, why don't we start with you? I would love to hear kind of what was your um, what were you trying to communicate in that article? What are your big takeaways? And then Carl, maybe we'll have you summarize Taylor Petrie's kind of main points and go from there. Christopher? Well, I think what's interesting is that um, me and uh, Taylor Petrie's article are substantially similar. There's just a slightly different framing. Um, we're both kind of saying the same thing, that Latter-day Saints mostly aren't white Christian nationalists. These questions um, separate people between uh, people who are adherents and maybe just sympathetic to some white Christian nationalism ideas. And that, um, yeah, and that Latter-day Saints aren't there a lot, but this is a real problem. I think the framing that happened differently is that Taylor looked at Latter-day Saints and said, okay, what do we need to do to, to fix the fact that any Latter-day Saints are dealing with this issue and the fact that Latter-day Saints are sympathetic? And the sympathetic category concerns me very little, and I'll explain that later. Um, the adherence category concerns me a lot, but it yep. is. It's a very small percentage. Um, and so for me, the, the talk about white Christian nationalism, in my opinion, is in some ways overblown. Uh, in some ways, it is being used as a moral panic. And so my article was drawing attention to some of those elements, while the bulk of the article was still very clear that this is a big problem. Uh, historically, we're actually at a low point for white Christian nationalism in the United States. But there's some good evidence to suggest that 
in the last seven, eight years, we may be on an uprise again for the first time. And so this should be concerning us that this is happening again. White Christian nationalism, I think, is deeply problematic for Latter-day Saints for the reasons that, uh, well, I say them in my article, Taylor says them in his, right? Like, pluralism is good for Latter-day Saints. We want to live in a nation where we have the freedom to believe what we want. Uh, I know sometimes in these culture wars we have, Latter-day Saints align themselves often with, with other Christian groups and say, if we could just exert this additional authority and get rid of all of these, you know, enforce these ideas on all these people who disagree, then things will be well. But it's just, it's so short-sighted because what happens next, right? <laughs> I mean, another Pew survey very recently. I mean, we are the least liked religion right now, right? Like, we like, like everyone and no one likes Yeah, we create a theocracy. It's not our theology running the theocracy. That's the darn truth. And so <laughs> we, do. we need to be really, really careful about where we go with this. And beyond just the pragmatic reasons, white Christian nationalism is immoral. I mean, this is an idea that says certain people are better than others because of their race and their religion. And that is, I mean, I think we've seen the prophetic nature. If this is starting to rise, we've seen the prophets starting to speak about this very loudly over the last few years. Racism is a sin. And white Christian nationalism at its root is racism. I mean, that's what it is. And we should, we should call it out. But I do think when we're applying it to Latter-day Saints, we should be saying, what do we have as Latter-day Saints that we can be teaching everyone else about how to avoid the excesses of white Christian nationalism? What is it about our doctrine and our culture and our history and beliefs that we can teach others? Because I think the data suggests that we're doing really, really well compared to other religious groups. And I think what Taylor does in his article is while he acknowledges that reality in the last third of it, he's mostly saying, how do we deal with the problem that Latter-day Saints are white Christian nationalists? And that's a good question, but I, I balance it differently in my article, and I'm not sure that I think his framing is the is the most fair. Excellent. Carl, why don't, why don't you take take your stance really quick and kind of explain for us how, how you view Taylor's article? Sorry, I don't Dr. Petrie, uh Taylor Petrie. I guess I'll just call him Taylor Petrie. How would you how would you interpret his article? Well, <clears throat> Like Christopher, um, I, I find myself, Taylor and I don't agree on a lot of things uh, in Latter-day Saint culture and theology right now, um, but this is an area where I don't find there is a lot of daylight between the two of us. Um, he even at one point sent me a, a Facebook message that just said, I thank you for all the calm and collected way you have been engaging with people politically. This was in the run-up to the 2020 election. Um uh, where he and I were on the same side uh, politically uh, for various reasons. And um, so, you know, I consider uh, Taylor a friend. He's not a, a close friend. We don't, you know, hang out and, and do lunch together, whatever else, but we're acquaintances and, and uh, I I uh, like him personally. And here on this issue, I don't think there is, like I said, there's not a lot of space between the two of us. Um, I think the thing that, that, Taylor is hinting at in his article, although he doesn't quite uh, come out and say it, is that he is worried that Latter-day Saints are going to, as, as we see this uptick in white Christian nationalism, he is worried that Latter-day Saints are going to be uniquely susceptible to it for a variety of reasons uh, that I may or may not agree with. Um, but as, as the 
zeitgeist in general gets more white Christian nationalist, more Latter-day Saints are going to get swept up in that as well. And so his concern and Christopher's concern and my concern, and I assume your concern as well, Ben, although I try not to speak for, for anybody but myself, of course, is to try to head this off at the pass. There are some heartening signs uh, that that we're doing better than others, but there are also some disheartening signs uh, in that so many of us seem sympathetic. Although I'll be really curious, Christopher, to, to see your yeah, thoughts on why you're not concerned about the sympathizers, but I, I want to, we'll, we'll dig into that maybe a little bit more. And I'll just say uh, to sort of wrap up my point here is just that um, I think we Latter-day Saints have shown that we over the, I mean, Christopher, you're like, out of the last seven or eight years, I, you know, uh, wonder what happened in the last, what was it the last seven, eight years that <laughs> made this uptick? Um, I think we all understand of whom we speak and the things that he has unleashed into our culture and our zeitgeist. And we Latter-day Saints have been, I think we've done all right in the, in the, you know, Mitt Romney, Jeff Flake, Evan McMullen. We have some very prominent Latter-day Saints who have not gone along with some of the shenanigans that have been coming from the right in the last couple of years. Um, and we're doing okay on that front. At the same time, Utah uh, and Idaho and other places where there are predominantly Latter-day Saint, uh, where there are, how do I say that? Utah and Idaho and parts of Arizona where there are a majority of Latter-day Saints still overwhelmingly voted for this person who is bringing out the not the better angels of our natures um so on some in some ways we're doing okay in some ways there's still cause to be concerned and i sympathize both with taylor uh in that we need to be concerned to make sure that we don't continue on if the, if this continues on in our culture that we do not follow it as fervently as others might but at the same time we're doing okay. Uh, I, I like that. So let me let me see if I can kind of try to characterize the the two articles as fairly as I can. Now, Taylor Petrie isn't here. Maybe I should have invited him too. Um, Christopher, you are here, so you can correct me if you feel like this is a bad framing. I feel like what I got from your article was one: it's real, it exists, it's a problem. We need to fight it. Um, there are people who are actually believing this, and they are in our community, and that's something that we need to raise the alarm bells on. Um, number two, it is abused and exaggerated for rhetorical and political gain by some bad actors, not by everyone. And I'm not saying Taylor Petrie is one of them. Um, some of this, by the way, I don't think is bad actors. Some of this is just, um, you know, I didn't really like what happened in the last eight years politically. And I know that there's some Christian white nationalists out there. And so if you're voting against what I would vote for, if you're not voting, voting for Biden, I have a sense of who you are. And that's a little too proximate to those white Christian nationalists. And so there, there's kind of this, you know, collapsing of the two sides of, of, if you're not with me, then you must be all of those bad things that I see. And it's very hard to tell the difference. And I'm the first one to say, I, I have friends who see the left this way. If you're not voting for Donald Trump, then you're a woke communist, you know, and you've got all of the other things in there. Um, I think being able to, to parse that out a little bit and be like, there are still a lot of never Trumper, um, right leaning, you know, small government people. Um, I, I know a lot of people who I very personally, you know, I strongly disagree with who are very much hold the nose and still vote for Donald Trump. I hope they don't make that decision again. I'm not comfortable saying that those are white Christian nationalists though. Being able to expand that a little bit and see the differences is important. So number one, it's real, it exists. Number two, it is sometimes um, abused or exaggerated for rhetorical or political gain, including sometimes unintentionally. 
And number three, that the best response is for people of faith to call this out in their own community. And to and I think there are a number of prophetic quotes that address this really directly. And I thought that was a wonderful part of your article. Do you feel like that's a fair summation of of, of kind of what you were going for? I think it is. I think a substantial part of my article that wasn't part of that summation. I really like the summation, but I think the reality is, is that the part that I had that's going to be most controversial, and that probably is rubbing up against what Petrie was saying the most, was my saying that the statistics that we're using to show how big this problem is aren't really good statistics, and they're misrepresenting the size and nature of the problem. Um, well, so, so maybe now is a good time to jump in. Like, and, and I do want to get back to kind of summarizing his take, but this this might help. Um, so let me pull up the actual, um, the, the, the five-question battery that is used here. I think that this is, for me, when I look at this, this is what kind of opens my eyes to, to getting back to Carl's question of, look, if somebody says, is it a good thing to be a sympathizer of white Christian nationalism? That's like asking if you're a sympathizer to, you know, Maoism or racism or like, of course not. No, that's terrible. But yeah. when you look at the questions involved, there are only five questions. This isn't very in-depth data. Um, and there's some of this that I think reinforces my concerns, but also some of this that makes me go, yeah, maybe we're overreacting a little bit. So the first question is the U.S. government should declare America a Christian nation. Uh, this to me feels like the 90s uh, English should be our national language like fight, which was very <laughs> jingoistic and pretty stupid. Um, like, what does it matter? Like all of our documents are in English. And it was it was very like, I don't know, it just it always felt really dumb to me and very culture war ish. Um, number two, I think this is probably the one where a lot of people probably answered strongly yes, and they didn't understand the context. Um, U.S. laws should be based on Christian values. I would probably say strongly yes, and I would roll my eyes and go, guys, can you please come up with a better question that says traditional religious values because it includes Judeo-Christian values? I don't even like that term because I think that it involves our Muslim brothers and sisters as well, right? Like, I, I think it's a very limited thing to say Christian, but honestly, when I hear Christian, what I think of is more broadly than just Latter-day Saints, a set of traditional values that a lot of people have believed in for a long time. I could see friends of mine strongly agreeing with that statement without, without really thinking at all about any kind of white Christian nationalism. If the U.S. moves away from our Christian foundations, we will not have a country anymore. Look, some of this sounds like I can see somebody saying, if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And I think that's kind of dumb, but okay, that's fine. Like that's, that's a take. Um, I think that there's a lot in the Book of Mormon that's like, if you turn away from God, bad things will come. Like, this is actually a pretty deep part of what we believe. I could see people answering this and saying, yeah, actually, we'll get in really big trouble if we turn our hearts from God. And I don't think there's any reason to apologize for answering in the affirmative there. Now, these last two, I think, are the ones where I would take issue with. Um, being Christian is an important part of being truly American. That sounds a little bit too uh, pure American to me. And like, there are good Americans and then there are fake Americans, right? It's a very tribal statement. Um, and then the last one, God has called Christians to, this is the, to me, the very most of all of them. God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. Look, if you just make it based on that question, that's a very white Christian nationalist question. I, I think that's a, that's a great, you know, if, if you're saying yes to that, what the heck, man? Like, that's just crazy. I don't know, Ben. I think even on that question, people could hear it and say, need to have influence in all these areas, right? Like we look at like of the world, but not in the world, but not of the world. And yeah, that we want to participate in politics. And I mean, a big part of what we're doing at Public Square is we feel like Latter-day Saint voices should be out in the conversation. Now, I would never use the word exercise dominion. If people truly believe that exercise dominion, yes, that's deeply problematic. 
Um, and yet, I wonder if this question gets people in who the Dominion part isn't really so much what they're responding to, but the Christians should be involved in all areas of American society. Well, and I and I want to back you up on this just a little bit. I remember there was a poll. I shouldn't make light of it. It's it's pretty awful. But um, there was a poll a number of years ago that said, "Do you believe that America should bomb Agrabah?" Um, and twenty percent <laughs> of Americans said yes. Now, just so we're clear, this is the fictional country of the movie Aladdin. And so my baseline has always been twenty percent of people will say something stupid, no matter what the poll says, right? Like that 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 is just right. If if there's a poll that's like, should we give everybody a puppy or a kick to the head? Five percent of the people are always going to vote for a kick to the head. Yes, and exactly. Like, Did you even read the survey? <laughs> and, and 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 by the way, I, that is not to dismiss the real threat of what is going on here. But I am not convinced, and I think the data bears me out. I, I could see well-meaning people who don't listen very well to a poll answering poorly, that is not the same as being committed white Christian nationalists. I also think that there are committed white Christian nationalists who dress up like Captain Moroni and go to the coup, or you know, the, if you if you want to call it the demonstration, whatever one six was, right? If, no, no, you want call to, it a coup. That, that that's the, the insurrection. The the, yep. the way that I articulate it in my mind is the way that I think the people who were there that day thought of it. Okay, and 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 whether whether or not it was really a serious threat, or you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. My point is that the one six events, um, I think that there are people who really believe that they were doing God's will, and that and and that's a problem. Now, I, I should note, not all white Christian nationalism is is involved with Trump. Not all of Trump is involved in white Christian nationalism. If we're pretending that there's no overlap between the, the Venn and the Venn diagram, though, I think that that's willful ignorance. Yeah, it, I wanted to push pretty... back. Uh, I I wanted to push back a little bit, if I could, on sort of your assessment of these five questions because I find all five of the questions um, interesting in their parsing, and I know there could always be better questions, better data, but. When when someone's when you say there are good faith reasons to answer them in the affirmative uh, that you know should declare America a Christian nation, what that means is that all the the people who are not Christian would not feel welcome. And I hate to break it to our audience here, but Latter Day Saints aren't Christians, according to most of the people out there. If if you want the U.S. government to declare a Christian nation, you are saying that it, what what would what that would mean is that latter-day saints are second-class citizens when you say u.s law should be based on christian values i sympathize with your point that uh it's a it's a bad question and a lot of people answering it probably were like oh yeah christian values those are fine that's great and they weren't really thinking about it but again the side effect of answering this question the affirmative is that if you aren't christian your values are not wanted in our society it's deeply problematic and even somebody not thinking perhaps through the answering the questions as deeply as we would hope all poll answerers would do, um, I think would be at least tangentially aware of that. Um, if the U.S. moves away from our Christian foundations, the very question assumes that there are Christian foundations for the country that we are moving away from or that... that um, that if we move away from, we won't have a country anymore. And I find that a deeply problematic reading of U.S. history just because most of uh, United States citizens over the centuries have been Christian does not mean the Christian, that the, the United States is a Christian nation in that sense. It's a nation mostly of Christians, but it's not a Christian nation. That's an important distinction. Um, and then on questions uh, four and five, I... Uh, 
agree more. You push back harder on those, Ben. So I'll I'll leave those standing there. But well, and, um, and, when and he, just, when he calls us to exercise dominion, as I, much I, as I, I would you. like us, yeah, as much as I would like everybody to use the you know DNC one twenty one definition of dominion, there we don't, <laughs> and that is a to exercise dominion again means to like rule over people who aren't Christian. And this is incredibly antithetical. But even the way PPRI is phrasing these questions sets off warning bells to me for anybody who answers these questions in the affirmative. I I get very antsy. Oh, I don't think you're wrong. And just to, just to give a little bit of context, if I leave it there, I, I, I want to be really clear. I think this battery of five questions still measures something. I am not dismissing it out sure. of hand. And I'm also not trying to say that, that there's there's nothing to these. I think there is something to these. But if we scroll down, and this is the part that I think is really important, this to me is the key. You're going to see a lot of sympathizers who might just think Christian values are a good thing. Christians, uh, we, we've traditionally been a Christian country. And they're, they're like, I don't think that the people in the orange, and I don't know if this is what Christopher's point was, I don't think the people in the orange are a terrible threat to democracy. I'm not super concerned about them. I'd like to know more about them. I think that they are more predisposed to end up in the red. So I am concerned about that and putting a dam up that says, no, 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 hold on. There's some of this that I'm fine with. And there's some of it that's really, I'm not fine with. Let's draw that line hard and clear. Um, if it's just, oh, you know, people are silly and, and polls are no big deal. I, I, I don't think that's a good reading. I think a good reading of this is to say, there is a reason why a lot of Latter-day Saints might go, yeah, okay. And, and you just mentioned one that both condemns us, I think, and also a little bit uh, exculpates us, right? And that is, when I read a lot of these questions, I went, you know, when I think of Christian values, I think of Protestant values. To me, it's a pluralistic mm -hmm. statement because it's not actually my faith. So when somebody says, we believe that Christian values are important, I go, well, yeah, I mean, th those align with my values. I'm not thinking of my values in some ways. Does that make sense? Like, I'm thinking of it as separate. And so I think for us, it's a different kind of a statement. Again, I'm, I'm reading into the, to the people's minds who, um, who, who took the poll. Um, and, and by the way, I don't think incompetence can, can, can excuse everything. But I think there's a certain amount of this where I'm going, there, is there good faith possible answers? Yeah, a few, not all. I think there's also incompetence reasons. And there are some where I would just go, I, I think context matters. My, my point with all of this is to say, this 33% this of Latter-day Saints that are sympathizers, yeah, we should be aware of that. That's a concern. I don't think that's the same as saying we have a massive problem in the church of lots of white Christian nationalists, and we are, we are the leading cause of the trouble. Is that, is that a fair way to say Well, yeah, especially since we have, the, we have the highest of all these groups here on the screen right now. 50% of Latter-day Saints are skeptics or rejectors. Like, we, we have a, we're, we're, we're doing all right. Um, yes. in the in the Christian department there. Um, and I guess my question for the data scientists among us, well, I think but that's just you, Ben. Um, what does sympathize mean in the, con did they answer one of the questions in the affirmative? Like how many, did they, they have to get one out of five, two out of five, three out of five to- It was a five point scale that they used on each question, which yeah. is part of, well, I, oh, okay. I say this, I should say, I want to say, this is a much better uh, survey questions than we have seen historically in measuring white Christian nationalism. There is a big problem with these questions asking things. I, I have a line in my article and I forget it now, but that basically says, if you think kids should be able to pray to themselves in school and, uh, and you think that the founders were more Christian than not, uh, just in terms of demographic numbers, you would be ranked as a Christian nationalist by some of these surveys. 
Like they were really, really way too broad and bringing in a lot of people who weren't. And this survey does a much, much better job of asking questions that are much more closely aligned with actual white Christian nationalist feelings. So I know I'm going to be a little picky on these questions just because I do think that matters and why there might be Latter-day Saints who are sympathizing and why that doesn't concern me as much. But I do want to say I think this is a major improvement over what's been happening in the past, which is basically just measuring Christianity. Uh, and not even Christianity. I mean, some of these surveys uh, measuring white Christian nationalism are showing that the largest groups of uh, of white Christian nationalists are black Protestants. I mean, they're just missing. <laughs> some of these are showing that 28% of uh, Jewish Americans are white Christian nationalists, right? Like they're clearly not measuring what they intend to measure, right? Um, this survey does a much better job and it is specifically not trying to measure white Christian nationalism, but Christian nationalism, which is associated in some ways with the racist element of white Christian nationalists, but I think because they're narrowing it, that's why we see the black Protestants at a higher number. But if we look at, at the Jewish response, I think we see, okay, we're clearly showing that people who aren't Christians are just rejecting this out of hand, which I think is what we would want to see for a gut check to say, are these questions even measuring what we want, right? Um, now, that being said, um, I do feel like because it's operating on a five-point scale and you just ask someone, and I've taken these surveys, no one's defining for you what these mean. You just have to see it. So if you say I mostly sympathize, does that mean I sympathize with most of the question? Like that one about dominion, right? Like, well, what if I agree with 80% of the question? Not the dominion part, but the rest. I'm obviously not going to say I completely agree, but would I say I mostly agree? I wouldn't answer the question that way but I can definitely see reasonable people interpreting the survey that way. And so what I think, I guess why it doesn't concern me is it seems like what Taylor is arguing is that people who are sympathizing are on the road to this. And I see a much starker line between the sort of people who would say, yes, Christian values are important to our country, which is problematic, but they sympathize with that general idea for some of the reasons we've described and people who would say or say i mostly agree with that idea and people who would say i strongly agree with the idea that i forget that the u.s should be a christian nation um you seem to think that wasn't a particular one that seemed like the big one for me when i think of white christian nationalism declaring a country as a christian country seems like the definition for me that's like the big question but um I guess I just don't know what it means. Like it doesn't it just, mean anything. That's it. It's just it's <laughs> like it's just so stupid, right? Like I yeah. what changes? Are you gonna start banning like it, my question is what's the bill you pass after that? If you if you pass mm -hmm. a bill that says we're we're now a Christian nation, are you going to ban Qurans? Because that like that's gonna tell me a whole lot more about what you mean. If what you mean is, hey, we think it's good to be honest, it's good to be to 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 keep your 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 promises to your wife. And that we believe in the, you know, most of us believe in the 10 commands. We think those are good rules. I don't have as much of a problem with that. So, so I guess, again, I just, well, that's, th that to me is the problem with putting them all together. If you say, you know, what are Christian values? The fact that you labeled them Christian values is where the problematizing comes in. Cause if you bro further broke that question down to, like you were saying, like, um, be faithful to your wife, give to charity, make sure you, I don't know, attend church services once a month or something. And like, whatever you label them, if you phrase them that way and left the Christian part out, left the word Christian out, you'd have a lot higher percentage of people saying that's okay. It's when they start tying it specifically to Christianity that 
we begin to run into problems with the pro- the uh, pluralistic project that has always been America, even if we've mostly been Christians. And maybe that's and then on the other end. I was going to say, if you say exclusively Christian values, then it does the opposite, right? Like it pushes it even further. They're like, oh, sure. we're not even talking about all the values that we share. We're only talking about, you know, the Eucharist and um, and Christ's salvation. And, oh, I don't think those should be the things that define. But, but I think that's a really good, I mean, as a thought experiment, I think if they had asked a question in here that says, do you believe in religious pluralism or do you believe that Christians should be in some sense supreme in terms of the way that our governance structure is organized. I think that's a really interesting question. And that would be a very clear differentiator. Um, and I would, I would absolutely say, no, I strongly disagree with that. Like I, like pluralism is written into the book of Mormon everywhere. It seems like every, every King in Zarahemla is like, and religious freedom, right? Like that, this is just what we believe in. Um, and so I, again, I don't want to dismiss all the questions and pretend that they're not measuring anything because they are clearly no, measuring these are good questions for this. And, and I think they're, they, to your point, I, one of the things that really struck me about the article that, that you wrote, Christopher, was as I'm reading through this, <clears throat> the impression that I'm getting is this is an improvement. And there have been those in the past who basically say white Christian nationalism, there is no daylight between white Christian nationalism and just Christianity. And that is where I would say, if that's what you're measuring, that's a problem to me. If somebody says, you know, um, anyway, I think, I think your example of praying by yourself in school is a really good example where it's like, oh, no, you can't do that. Wait, what, what are you talking about? You can't do that. And that's clearly not what the questions were seeking to measure. They were trying to measure, do you think Christian prayer should be administered by school teachers? And if you think the answer to that question is yes, that probably is pretty closely aligned with being a Christian nationalist. Now. Um, obviously, there's a history there where I wouldn't say everyone who's ever thought that is a Christian nationalist. But but now I think that's certainly aligned with Christian nationalism. But the way these questions are worded, right, someone could reasonably say, like, no, you can't stop me. Like, I've told my kids if they're struggling on a test, they need to pray about it in school and no one's going to tell my kids that they can't, you know. And that's not Christian nationalism. That's practically the opposite. That this survey doesn't do that. And one of the big problems with surveys of this type is that they've kind of given up on trying to uh, measure Christian nationalism on some of these surveys. And they say, we're not going to be able to actually measure it because no one's going to admit to these beliefs. So we just need to measure something that correlates with it. Right. And that's where you end up. Like, I'm sure you've seen things that say, you know, most Republicans are white Christian nationalists. Um, or, you know, white Christian nationalists make up over 50% of the United States, right? Like if, if you see these headlines that are making this a massive deal that's taking up, you know, your neighbors are all in on this, they're probably not measuring white Christian nationalism. What they're trying to do is be longitudinal surveys that are saying, okay, we can't measure white Christian nationalism, so we're going to measure this other thing. And if this goes up, we're assuming white Christian nationalism is going up, right? And, uh, and and those surveys are useful. We just have to interpret the data correctly. Um, I think what this survey does better is they're actually asking questions that do align well. Like they're trying to get people who actually have white Christian nationalist beliefs to say it. I, I think there's others that would be even more useful. I wish people would ask, do you believe that there should be a religious test to run for office? Like, do you believe you should self-identify as Christian to run for office? I think white Christian nationalists wouldn't hesitate to say that that's what they believe. 
I think that's something that they would be happy to admit to. And that would be very clear sign. I don't think there's any question of, oh, maybe we should have something like that. I, I think that sets people apart much, much clearer. But I think they're afraid that if you do that, real white Christian nationalists are not going to admit it. And I think as the culture has started to accept white Christian nationalism more in these last few years, as it's become a more open thing where you're having even members of Congress who are self-identifying this way, I don't think we need to be so worried in the research of getting false negatives. I think the people who really are believing in these ideas are happy to say that they do. Um, they may not like the, the title, white Christian nationalist, so we probably just don't want to ask, do you consider yourself a white Christian nationalist? But I think we can just ask them if they believe the stuff, right? Do you believe violence uh, should be used in order to enforce Christian values on the United States? That's a, a lot that's of people, a... a lot of people, clearly not a lot. Well, I don't know. It depends how you define a lot. I think real white Christian nationalists wouldn't hesitate to say, yes, I believe violence is sometimes justified if we are getting off. And if we, you know, with some of the moral um, moral panics we're having about, um, what am I thinking, cross-dressers right now, right? Like, I think some people are really using violent language to describe it, and they wouldn't hesitate to use violent language to describe it. So let's find those people, and now we know who they are. Now we can measure them accurately. Well, and another another way that you could broach this, there, there was a great uh, a documentary called Article 6 when Mitt Romney was running. Um, I remember seeing it and just going, wow, that was really well done. But it basically asked this question, should there be a religious test for office? And it was really easy for me to like, because it was it was a member of my church who was going through this. But like, I absolutely, you know, I remember Pastor Jeffress um, basically talking very loudly. He is, he, let's just say that he is not my favorite theologically or politically. And very loudly saying, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. That would be problematic. I'm just going to tell you that Mitt Romney's not a Christian. Which, by the way, just so we're all clear here in this Zoom room, um, is tantamount to saying, and you should not vote for him because he is on the other tribe and the other tribe is bad and he is not one of us. And we do not vote for people unless they are one of us, right? That to me was a moment of like, that's icky. Now I want you to imagine if somebody is a Jewish candidate. And by the way, we do have polling data on this. There are people who will not vote for an atheist. We have people who will not vote for somebody of a certain race. We, we like that is something that people will actually answer, and we know this. Or Latter Day Saint, like we yeah. we we and atheists and Muslims are all up there in the do not like category. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was eighteen percent when Mitt Romney was running. If I'm remembering these surveys correctly, it was kind of the number that kept popping up. Is that about yeah. that percentage of maybe it was uh, that percentage of Republicans who wouldn't vote for? A member of the church. Well, and I, I've said for a long time, I remember when Mitt Romney was branded as a flip-flopper and it was not by the Democrats. That was Mike Huckabee, right? Like I remember the moment and I remember how it happened. Like, you know, this idea that I, I, I want to be careful here because if the message we take away from it is white Christian nationalism hurts us, I, I, I don't think that's quite the right message. But I hope that that can be a learning experience for us to realize, hey, it's bad. And it's bad for anybody involved. And just because you're the one winning in the identity politics, grievance politics game doesn't mean, A, that as you said earlier, in a pragmatic way, it can turn around real fast and now you're the one on the outs. But also it's just immoral, even if if it does does favor you every time. I don't think think that's, sorry, girl. Well, I was going to say, I I like the, the thoughts that you've all put on here, the board here to discuss this sort of thing. And I like that we're getting into the part where it's a little messy in the middle, where 
we can talk about what it means to identify with some of the elements of white Christian nationalism, but not be a full white Christian nationalist, and how one would, uh, how am I trying to figure out what I'm trying to say here? Just that, um, how, how it's, how it's messy in the middle, how people can use these labels you were talking about this christopher to paint the other side with a broad brush all republicans are white christian nationalists all democrats are evil i don't know whatever baby killing whatever's like wokest right now that's wokest right so there it is yeah all democrats are wokists um this these these labels are easy to come by and I forget the term was that you just used, Ben, the um, the identity politics game where you the grievance where, politics, the identity grievance politics game. Yeah, the, that's it. The identity grievance politics game where we just throw up a label that is clearly something that nobody would want to completely agree with, like white Christian nationalism, and then paint everybody to our right as that thing. And. And we do the same thing in the, from the right side to the left. And then people like me who defend Taylor Petrie on some things and really disagree <laughs> with him on others are kind of sitting here going like, I don't know where I fit. And, and that's fine. Um, the only content- thing, I think, the only thing I-, I think all of America agrees on is anybody to our left is a communist. Anybody to our right is a, is a fascist, right? Like that's the right, one yes, that buys us right now. Yes, absolutely. And so it's just interesting to see how, some of this data is simply misused because of the incredibly polarized situation that we find ourselves in uh, politically right now. And it's disheartening as somebody who has a whole potpourri of political views that are some on the right, some on the left and some in the middle. And I don't, I'm nobody's friend and it's lonely here in the middle uh, because a bunch of people call me a white Christian nationalist um, and again, I don't, you were right, like, oh, poor me. Um, but people are comp- what I'm trying to say is people are complicated. And when we use these broad brushes to just demonize them, it is deeply unhelpful to the American project of pluralism. Can, can I give a, a, an example of this? I, sorry, Christopher, you go ahead. And then I want to come back to my to my allegory. I think what's important and kind of picking up what Carl was saying is to identify what what is immoral about white Christian nationalism, and then what can we do to fight that thing, that idea? Because we don't want to fight the people. Um, We want to fight this idea. We want to show why it's wrong. And what's wrong about white Christian nationalism is one, it violates our idea of the 11th article of faith. This is really important to us as Latter-day Saints. We have set up theocracies more or less. And yet, like in the early days of Utah, religious freedom was primary. Like we understand how important this has to be in every society because it can't exist otherwise. Even the book point, of Mormon, point of order, point of order. It was before Utah. Order, like, well, <laughs> sure. But uh, even in like the charter for the city of Nauvoo, they said we would welcome a Mohammedan which is not a term we would use anymore for our Muslim brothers and sisters, right? It's anachronistic and 
I think deeply offensive to them because they don't worship the prophet Muhammad. It'd be like calling us a Joseph Smithian, but there yeah. probably wasn't a Muslim within a thousand miles of him when he put that in the constitution for this, the, the city charter for Nauvoo. Like this mattered a lot to Joseph Smith. We having been on the receiving end of religious violence are very happy with pluralism. And that's been part of our DNA for a long time. So just, just point of order. It goes back before Utah. Like yeah. we've been on this bandwagon for a long time. And to our credit, I think. And, I think and, so it may- too. and I think that's why we're still seeing these numbers so low. Like, I think it is in the, it is in our cultural DNA. It is in our theological DNA. I think the next thing that's wrong about it is trying to set yourself up above another person, right? This is why racism is wrong, is you're trying to set yourself above another person. It's wrong. It's immoral. And so we do need to focus on on that and say, okay, what do we have to help people avoid these extremes? How do we help them see this bigger picture of what Zion will look like? Zion's not going to be a Christian nationalist country. Zion will have religious freedom. And I think that's sometimes something that sometimes we don't think about. We think about, oh, oh, this perfect society is going to have everyone like us, and it won't. And if we're working toward that goal, <clears throat> yeah, then then we have yeah, to if- yeah, help people see Zion. We're working towards that. And then they will, will stop trying to pursue this, this nonsense. It's not that right. easy. No, it's not that easy, but... But it's like that's what we should be doing is setting up a better vision that can attract people. If you think if you think that, yeah, if you think that Zion is people who look like you, that's because that's the white part of white Christian nationalism and think and agree with you. If we only got rid of everybody who didn't look like me and disagreed with me, then we'd have Zion. Ooh, I think you missed the boat somewhere like, wow, you do not understand what it means to be of one heart and one mind and have no poor among them you need to do some serious recontextualizing of all your thoughts because that is very bad. So I'm teaching a, a, a psychology, an ed psychology class. And at the end, I just, I, I tell them that I'm going to do a couple of topics that I think are really useful just generally as citizens, kind of my, my own pet topics. And we had a conversation about tribalism and um, it was really rich because I said, what do we get right in the church about tribalism? And they brought up missions they brought up how we view everybody as our brothers and sisters. And we preach often about child of God. And I am a child of God and all of these things. And one of the things that I, I don't think I covered in enough depth um, is we've learned some things the hard way. So I think there are some things that we can brag about. Actually, there's some things that we should feel proud of, I, I guess, is a, is a way to say it. There are also some things that I hope other people don't have to go through before they realize, right? There, there is some stuff we've done well. There's also some stuff that, by golly, I hope we've learned the lesson on. Um, because we've been through some stuff and that, that doesn't mean that everybody else should have to going back to your point, Carl, you mentioned, you know, don't, don't collapse, you know, don't look at the other person as, as a maniac. I noticed the other day that uh, somebody walked up to me and, and he was tallish and I'm pretty tall. And I said, what are you six, four? And he said, yeah, you pegged it. How did you know? And I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm tall too. And somebody else walked up and said, here, here, try it with me. And I said, I don't know, like five, six. And she was like, I'm, I'm five, 10. And I was like, okay, y'all look the same to me. <laughs> I, I have realized that I have this, I have this problem. Anybody that's within about this space of my height, I can nail it. I know exactly where they are. And anybody who's about this much taller than me or this much shorter than me, they all look the same, right? I think that is not actually a bias in, in the sense of, I hate those people. It's a lack of familiarity. It's it's more of a cognitive bias, right? 
that our brain just kind of takes this heuristic approach where we go, I don't know how tall they are. They're just short. Or I don't know how tall they are. They're just tall. Right. And I suspect it's the same politically. I think it's the same. Or in my case, it's just everybody is super tall. (laughs) Um, And I think, I think there's a way to slow down our brains and go, hold on. Are you really sure that those are the things that they believe? I, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, calming people down and going, hold on. You now know that I favor school choice. Let me tell you all of the other positions that I hold. It's okay if you hate me. I'm fine with that. Hate away. That's not a problem, but at least know what you are hating. Because as it turns out, yes, many ideas travel in tandem. But when it comes to me, I I pride myself on being the person where all of those ideas don't travel in tandem. Um, I want to get to um, a couple of other things really quick. Um, We we kind of covered this one already, but um, I, I guess one of my big frustrations here is not actually Taylor Petrie's article, though I do I, I do want to push him a little bit on this. It's the way that the Salt Lake Tribune kind of framed this. And, and, and part of this is my frustration with media right now, generally. Media right now, generally, is very much on this. Um, you know, I, I've looked at the data on negativity bias. It causes real problems. Like, it is not good for our mental health. Um, I remember one of my favorite statistics was from a Freakonomics episode where they found that um, when they looked at it, at the worst point of the pandemic, the news was eight to one more negative than positive. And at the best part of the pandemic, it was 5.5 times to one still negative to positive. When the, when the vaccine had been created, when things were looking up, when things were better, it was still negative. And I, I think this is a really important point is that it doesn't do good things to our psyche. When we look out at the world and see negativity, we assume that like Jonathan Haidt is doing work on this. I mean, we could have a whole other podcast on, on, on the current debate raging on why are conservatives happier than, than the left and you know all of, all of the kind of stuff that, that's going on there. I think that the, the Salt Lake Tribune, between, between the opening headline and the, the kind of the first couple of paragraphs, the sense that I got from this was, yep, members of the church are the worst. We are the problem. We need to repent. We need to get in sackcloth and ashes. We are a, a major issue on this. And that's A, not my read of the data. Um, and B, I think there were a lot of people online when I was looking at the Twitter comments and I suspect it's the same elsewhere on Facebook and other places, people are now just writing off the trib and going, well, of course they're going to say that they're, they're the trib. Their job is to take the most anti-church stance that they can. I don't think that's good for democracy. I don't think that's good for members of the church. I honestly would love to see an article where it says, Hey, you may have some of these beliefs. Let me tell you, some of these are okay, but some of them are not. Here's prophetic counsel that backs me up. Most members of the church, like celebrate the good that we're doing. Talk about how, because we serve missions, we see other people from other countries as a part of our human family. Celebrate the good. I think you will make a bigger difference that way. But I also think ultimately, and and, and in fairness to Taylor Petrie, you know, about halfway down the article, he talks about, hey, actually members of the church, there's, you know, there's some good stuff in here. For now, Latter-day Saints remain on saner ground than many of their Protestant Christian counterparts who express these views at higher rates. Hey, he, he said something good about us. Now, on the other hand, I don't really want to poke at my Protestant friends. That becomes another tribal fight too. Let's talk about what we can learn and how we can grow and how we can improve. I don't think the picture is as bad and as awful as, as was presented here. And I saw a lot of people roll their eyes and go, yeah, that's the trib. They're, of course, they're going to say that. There is no problem with white Christian nationalism. Everything's hunky-dory. We're all fine. It's just those wokists at the trib that hate the church. So that's, that's my takeaway. I'd, I'd love your thoughts on if I'm being too harsh. So let me go here um, because I I need to go find the article I was looking for just as you were finishing up your thought um, where Jonathan Last, who's one of my favorite political commentators, like if you wanted to find out what Carl's general opinions on stuff where you would go listen to this one commentator from the Bulwark, he's the one I agree with the most. Um, and you can buy little mugs from the Bulwark 
You Here's found someone pitch. who agrees with you on everything, huh, Carl? I, it's amazing. It's so it took me years, but um, no, but his vibe and mine are very good. But he, th there was one article he wrote. This was maybe a year and a half ago. I'm looking for it. I couldn't find it really quick. Maybe I'll dig it up for you. You can put it in your show notes, Ben, or whatever else, where he talks about, and this is where I think we, I, as much as I appreciate all you do on radical civility, on helping us be radically civil with, with each other, this is a, um, a, it, because of the danger we are in, sorry, I'm going to this over. The moment we are in is in some ways uniquely dangerous in a way that hasn't existed in our lifetime, dare I say, since the Civil War, where we had a genuine attempt to overthrow the results of a presidential democracy, like of a presidential uh, election that was freely and fairly um, done. And the, the article from Mr. Last talks about how there was a white Christian novel in like the late 70s, early 80s that talks about this one specific day where they all rise up and and uh, overthrow the government and start issuing uh, orders and go on pogroms against black people. Like it's really disgusting and vile stuff. But when you look at a lot of the people who participated in January 6th, and again, not all white Christian nationalists were January 6thers, not all January 6thers are white Christian nationalists, right? But the Venn diagram is pretty seriously overlapping. They have been prepping and priming for this for a long time. And as much as we can decry that it was eight to one positive or negative to positive and five to one, like, let's, let's also be crystal clear that there is some scary stuff going on right now that hasn't happened really in America in like in living memory. So we can be a little negative about that because there's some, whether Taylor Petrie is reading the data right, whether it's there's as much cause for alarm with latter tans, whatever else, there's some genuinely freaky stuff going on out there and we need to be careful and vigilant about it. No, I, I like that. Yeah, so there. Oh, that, good. I like that pushback. Now, I, I, the, my, my initial thought is um, two things. I, it's really hard whenever you bring this up to try to walk this line because as soon as you say it's not as big a deal as people are making it, then all of a sudden you're complacent and you're complicit. You're part of the problem. And I, I think what the, the word, my, my, my watchword right now is have a sense of proportion, understand what really is a problem, be, be rational, be sober. Don't let, let emotions get ahead of you. Try and figure out what is really the problem. Completely agree with you. By the way, and I, I, I have several friends who go, oh, they were just, you know, a bunch of cosplayers running amok in the Capitol. Whoa, 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 whoa. When my kids do something that is dangerous where somebody could get hurt and nobody gets hurt, my kids still get punished. And that's because we have norms in place to make sure that we don't cross a line where somebody gets hurt. Um, and this is a this is a norm that was broken and let, let, before we get into, oh, they just they were just being silly. First, I don't think they thought they were. I don't think Donald Trump thought they were. And I think that's a major issue. So I have very little patience for the downplaying of things that happen to coincide with, you know, somebody's personal view on how things happen. If Donald Trump, uh, I, I won't get into it, but I, I, I think that he, he wanted some bad things to happen. So laying that to the side, though, I still don't think there's anything wrong with saying that is a norm. There is a line that we don't cross and invading the Capitol for political reasons is one of them. I don't want our Republic to become like the other countries where that is the kind of stuff that is the norm. 
And that was the erosion of a norm that I am, I am very, very concerned about. Christopher, you open your mouth. It looked like you were going to say something. I was going to say, I was going to push back a little bit on this idea that it's that saying, oh, this isn't as big of an issue as we say is somehow um, preventing us from stopping that. I, I think it's an important step in the process, because if we say, what, 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 what is the number of adherents and sympathizers, like 40% of Latter-day Saints, right? Like if we say that to people, 40% of Latter-day Saints are aligned with white Christian nationalism, and you don't feel like you're aligned with white Christian nationalism, and you look around at your uh, chapel and sacrament meeting, and you're like, oh, okay, well, who's the 40% most uh, conservative people here? Oh, brother so-and-so, that's a white Christian nationalist? That doesn't need to concern me. And if that's what people are thinking, is if, if, is if they're taking these huge numbers and saying, oh, this must represent these people who really don't seem so bad, it can be really easy for people to conclude that white Christian nationalism is really isn't so bad. And so I think it's important to, to help people see that, no, this problem is real, and it is a big and growing problem. And the fact that you're not seeing it all around you doesn't mean that it's not a big problem, right? Like, we still need to fight this. And this isn't talking about that guy who posts memes you don't like on Facebook, right? Like, that's not the guy we're trying to demonize. Usually, some of them are. Um, but like, um, like, like, if you're saying this is this big problem and, and you never push back on the overinflation of these numbers, I think it helps people blow it off. They're like, oh, 40% of people like are like this. Well, 40% of people aren't the problem with the world, uh, especially if you're basically sympathetic with these kinds of folks. Um, I, there's I, two I, things. I, I assume we're getting kind of long on time here, Ben. There were two. I things was going to say that we need to wrap, but there's at least two things that we need to still get to. Um, go ahead and finish your thought. Um, there's two beliefs that Latter-day Saints have <clears throat> that um, that we see in Scripture, uh, and that I think are closely aligned with Christian nationalist views, and which could be a gateway to Christian nationalist views but that I don't have any interest in disavowing because I think they are scriptural. And I think it's worth talking about how Latter-day Saints can adhere to what's in the scripture and how we create those strong lines to prevent this crossover that Petrie is worried about. Because I think that is a real concern. And I think those are that one, we believe that the founders of this nation were inspired by God. We do believe that. We don't believe that they were all Christians. We don't believe that they were all good guys. We don't believe that the Constitution is ineffable scripture that's canonized. We don't believe any of those things. But we do believe that the United States is part of God's plan. That's not white Christian nationalists. It can sound that way, but we think everything is a part of God's plan. And God needed the freedoms here because our, our faith was started here. And so we believe that those freedoms had to be established. And that can lead to saying, oh, ergo, this is a white Christian nationalist country because God inspired the white Christians who created it. I, I can see that. It's not a necessary road to take, but it is a dangerous one. And that is a belief that I think is adjacent to there. And I think we should say, hey, look, you can hold this belief without being a white Christian nationalist, but you have to be aware of how this belief can get you close to this line. The other one is what we read in the Book of Mormon, that when nations are uh, unrighteous, they will fall. And I think that idea can give us the sense that we have to then impose 
our religious ideology on a country to prevent it from falling. And I don't think that that is what this teaches, right? In fact, I think very much this kind of divisiveness, this kind of the white Christian nationalism we're talking about is part of what makes a nation unrighteous and ready to fall. And yet I can see how people are like, look, we need to be like Captain Moroni. Like this is the figure that the white Christian nationalists are dressing up as because he is saying our country needs to have standards. That is true. That is good. That's why we shouldn't be afraid of sharing our moral intuitions in the public square. That's why we shouldn't be afraid of saying, look, we don't have to believe everything I say, but I do believe these values that are Christian, but probably correspond with lots of other beliefs too. And we should be promoting these in our laws and in our values. Taylor Petrie, I, I said this in, our, in the article, but it's like some, he wrote uh, when, what was it? Lone, uh, lone uh, forgiveness. Lone wolf. What? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. When when Biden was proposing the loan forgiveness, or maybe it was right after he had announced it, and a lot of people were upset, especially uh, people on the Christian right. And Taylor Petrie posted a scripture about debt forgiveness. Um, some people would interpret that as Christian nationalism. He is saying we should make policy based on the scripture. That's ridiculous. Obviously, we shouldn't do that. That's exactly what we should be doing. Bring your faith to the public square. But I think that can get twisted and perverted into this white Christian nationalism where we're saying, no, we have to divide based on this to prevent it. And I believe in both of those doctrines strongly. Um, but those are not white Christian nationalist doctrine, doc, doctrines, but they can be gateways. And I think we need to be careful to recognize that those can be true and the white Christian nationalist, you know, funny mirror version of it is not true. Well, it's funny because I think one of the one of the things I'm taking away from this is in terms of strategy, if you're really trying to knock, if you're trying to build these walls to make sure that the lines are really clear, that means you actually have to talk about where you think the lines lay. And I actually don't mind if people are like, well, I think it's here. And I'm like, well, I think it's actually over here. That conversation, people will kind of average those lines out and we'll have a place where we feel good about that. I think the problem is that instead of doing that and trying to figure out where the lines are, we run to the opposite sides. And we say, I don't know, but anything associated with this, I'm going to run over here. I'm going to abandon all of our doctrine. I'm going to, or I'm going to embrace all of our doctrine. I'm going to, you know, Latter-day Saint supremacy. And 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 that's <laughs> that's not just a joke, right? Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, I was having a, a fight with some Desnat types. And, and they said, well, what do you disagree with us on, on doctrinally? And I was like, you know, that's an interesting question because I'm pretty socially conservative. I don't think I'm, uh, I, I don't think I would... Uh, prioritize things in the same way that they would. I don't, I think tone and emphasis really, really matter. And they said, you, the only thing difference between us is you think people need to be nice. And the answer is no, there's a tribal element here. When you talk to people who don't agree with you, there's a matter, there's a, there's a, 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 a tangible feeling of disgust, right? That I simply don't have, no, not even for the Desnat types. I don't agree with them. I think some of them need, need to be called out in very, very direct ways. Never once have I ever prayed that they that, that that they have a hard life and that their children grow up to to not have enough food on the table, right? Like that is just not something that I feel towards basically anybody. Um, and I think like I, I when you look at tribalism, there there are two things that I think are important to mention here. One, contempt is the problem. Disgust is the problem. If you are looking around at another group of people and you feel in your heart disgust, I really do think that that's something to genuinely repent of. That doesn't mean you can't disagree with them fiercely. Right. But I, but I really do think even when I look at murderers, when I look at really genuinely awful people, I think the Christ like walk is to say that that is wrong profoundly. I am not OK with it. 
and there is still a person who is deserving of dignity, even if they are also deserving of frank condemnation. Um, the other thing that I would say is I'm not I'm not a fan of both sidesing, right? Like I I think there's a real danger in in saying, well, everybody has problems. It's you know the, the left and the right, right? Like I, I think that's 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 bad form. I also think that some of these cognitive biases, especially around tribalism, are not problems of a given tribe. They are problems of humanity. So when you look at supremacy, I think if you wanted to ask a really interesting question that would scare me a lot more, ask a battery of questions about Latter-day Saint supremacy. Ask a battery of questions that focus on Latter-day Saints that are very, very attuned to what Latter-day Saints are looking at. I think that would A, be a lot more scary and B, it'd be a lot more useful. And there's some stuff that we could do in that. Imagine if 50% of the country is Latter-day Saints. Now would we fall into a Latter-day Saint supremacist culture? How can we build a pluralistic norm so that that's not the case when we go down that path? Um, and that gets into the other thing that I wanted to talk about. This last week in the news, we've been talking a little bit about, um, there, there was a, an article for the for the bulletin that, that you posted, Christopher, about will Latter-day Saints inherit the earth? Um, and, you know, I, I, I like demographics. I find them fascinating. I always think it's really interesting, you know, growth rates and how people are reproducing. And as it turns out, Latter-day Saints, we're, we're, we're a pretty fertile bunch. We have lots of kids. And we seem to select based on intelligence. I find that really interesting. Now, I, I will also tell you, in in my experience with uh, in my experience in this class that I'm teaching, when it comes to intelligence, there are two groups of people. There's a group of people that are really, really uh, scared that anything that they say will be turned into "you're just a eugenicist," and there's another group of people that are basically just eugenicists, right? Where it's all intelligence and 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 we're the smart people, and all those other people need to. It's really gross out there, folks. Like you touch intelligence, and like you can't have any meaningful conversation because there's a group of people that will misinterpret you and say that you're a eugenicist. And there's another group of people that are actual eugenicists and trying to use intelligence as like some weird, gross, racist way of like, anyway, I, I think that that's, that's the one last thing that I wanted to bring up real quick, if you want to comment. Sure. So, uh, I think one thing that is important is to do your best to stop the spread of these ideas. So yeah, so this article had come up. It's It was by someone who uh, has a history of these kind of uh, eugenic ideas. It was Latter-day Saint adjacent. We had kind of shared it on the bulletin, which is where we just share things that we think people will be interested in. We hadn't done re uh, research on the author, which is an unusual for the bulletin articles. Um, and uh, someone highlighted on Twitter that uh, that they they were familiar with this author and, and some of the problems with it. Um, the specific article that we shared wasn't white supremacist in nature, right? And I think sometimes I think some of fact some of the people who were critical of the article mistake Latter Day Saints for white people, and I think that's deeply problematic. Um, <laughs> deeply, but, deeply problematic, problematic, just demographically at this point. Like, yeah, no, that, seriously. Yeah, come on, like, come on, guys, get get with where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is these days, and that's that ain't it. Yeah, that ain't it. Um. So yeah, uh, so but but this the the person who had done it has a history of stuff that had really crossed the line from oh, interesting demographic information. You know, Latter-day Saints have lots of kids. They select for intelligence and choosing partners um, to the other side where, oh, there's a reason for this. And, oh, this is how this is going to work out. And so, yeah, so we we pulled uh, 
it was just a little blip that had shared this article. And so we just took the whole thing down with a little explanation that we don't want to share this, this kind of, uh, this kind of content. And uh, even if it was just adjacent, right? Um, the guy who, the guy who had written the article emails me today after I had taken the thing down and, and just written something like, you know, the author has a history of, of white supremacist ideology. So we took it down or I, I forget exactly what the phrase was, but so he, he writes me today saying, uh, I forget his last name, so-and-so versus public square. And he's like, you have defamed me and I'm going to sue you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so okay, put that okay. notch in your belt. That I feel like that's a badge of honor right there. Yeah. Right. Like, great. Yeah. We, you know, let's have some white supremacists to us. I think that, uh, that, that might be the ethical thing to, to, to do here. Well, I was uh, going to say, I, I looked up his Wikipedia page and it's like, okay, so maybe Wikipedia is not a place I can trust, but like, this does not leave a whole lot of room for doubt. Like this is a very, very, very like, and they're quoting comments that he has made repeatedly that are like, oh yeah, no, this is really uncomfortable. Now, in fairness, I believe that the article that you're citing was peer reviewed. Is that right? I don't know if it was, I don't know. Okay. Cause um, I thought it was, it was published in a journal. I'm not familiar with the editorial standards of the journal. Like I said, the bulletin is really, it's a great thing to share some content with our readers, but it's pretty cheap. It's basically the blog version of public square magazine. You know, this is not being, gone through our editorial process or anything like that. So I, I honestly don't know. It was an interesting finding about Latter-day Saints reproduction. I thought people would be interested in reading that. Uh, honestly, they weren't. I think we had like 30 people read that uh, particular article. Um, <laughs> we usually do much better. How will we ever <laughs> undo the damage? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but well, it's interesting, that, it's interesting have... that 30 people read it. One of them called you out. That's you right. took it down. <laughs> And then this gentleman emailed you to say, threatened to sue you for defamation. I'm like that. He must be like really tuned into his mentions because that's a, that's quite astonishing. But yeah, I was was surprised he was mad because like, I didn't even name him in the retraction. Like, I'm not like this author who did this article with a link. I just said, we took down this article because it referenced the, you know, a study linked with a Sure, sure. Like that was it. And he's like, I knew you were talking about me. (laughs) I, I think the other 29 viewers, there was like the one guy who reported the other 29 are like his friends, his mom, like, you know, like it's his circle. Um, <laughs> well, I'm with Ben. More people have read the retraction than never read the article because now, now people on Twitter are kind of talking about our decisions for taking it down. Sure. Well, I'm with Ben though. Good on you. Notching your belt, something to <laughs> hang on your wall, an email to print out and hang on your wall, getting threatened by to be sued for defamation by a white supremacist. Uh, you're doing it right, Christopher. You're doing hey, it hey right. Carl, Carl, an alleged white supremacist. Oh, okay. sorry. We don't want to get you sued for white supremacy too, Ben. Oh my gosh, whatever. Or for I, I want that notch in my belt. Bring it. <laughs> what do I need to do to get sued by a white supremacist, right? <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate this. I think this has been a good conversation. I just wanted to end on, on this thought of, okay, so how do we do this? How do we, how do we both articulate this in such a way that it's clear that there is a problem and also warn people about, you know, where the lines are. And I think, um, you know, as I'm thinking about this, a lot of it is really easy stuff. You know, I, when, when I hear the ideas pop up, I can speak up to them in ways that are thoughtful and deliberate. Um, I can keep in mind that whole issue of six four versus five ten, right? I think I think some people who have beliefs I disagree with are not white Christian nationalists, um, but I really do want to emphasize, like I, you know, 
when I read the scriptures, I see a very religiously pluralistic view. Um, when I think of President Oaks, even giving his recent talk, I, I think he gave both a talk and then wrote a, a long article in the, in the Deseret News, where he said, obviously, the, the Constitution is not word for word dictated by God, but the principles from the Constitution are inspired. And I found that to be incredible and beautiful and like a, a really, really good article um, that kind of shed some light on like, that doesn't mean that I'm better than another country that has a different constitution. The question is, are those principles in play? And I think that's a really cool way. So so anyway, any last closing thoughts on how to how to fight this and what principles we can stand on? Carl, so I, you have the last word, Carl. Okay, well, I was just going to reiterate something that you brought up, Christopher, that it was um, that there are these white Christian nationalist adjacent doctrines that we Latter-day Saints hold very dearly. And we need, we can both affirm them to be true and also be aware that they can be a gateway drug into something that is very gross and antithetical to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. To me, it just goes down to, to basics again. You have to understand the theology of the church. And to do that, what you need to do is pay attention to the brethren and the things that they are actually teaching, not what you think they're teaching, not what your your friends on Twitter think they're teaching or that blogs think they're teaching or that you get from YouTube or whatever. What is President Oaks actually saying about the Constitution? And then follow that. Um, it was a little disheartening to me. This is sort of an adjacent story to this point. Uh, we did a fifth Sunday. I'm the Sunday school president, my ward. We did a fifth Sunday uh, show. Show. <laughs> we did a fifth uh -huh. Sunday meeting <laughs> um, where we Sunday school presidency were in charge of sort of gearing people up, getting people ready and excited to do Come Follow Me this year, to do the New Testament, to study the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and the other writings about him by the early apostles and the early members of the church. Um, and there were quite a lot of people who said, oh, I really enjoyed uh, and would recommend this particular Come Follow Me podcast. And someone else would be like, oh, I really like this other Come Follow Me podcast. Or I like this Come Follow Me podcast. And part of me just wanted to say, like, just make sure you're actually reading the scriptures, you guys. Like, and, and this is part of the problem. If you are the kind of person who wants to dress up as Captain Moroni and go storm the Capitol on January 6th, we're singling that guy out. But you know what? He, 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 he dressed up. He earned it. He dressed up like Captain Roni, ran around the Capitol on January 6th. Um, if you get to the point where you think that that is a good use of your time and is an accurate representation of reality so that you have to act in certain ways, you have already left the farm so far. And you did that by not actually paying attention to what the brethren are teaching and how they're acting and how they want to live in our pluralistic society. Um, so that to me would be sort of the the way to to look at it, to follow the living prophets. I do remember there was an interesting uh, moment in the early 90s where the church actually had to put out a missive uh, to, to warn people, and they do this every once in a while, right, about like, don't create I don't, like book club groups that are unauthorized or things like that. In one of those missives, they said, and don't focus too much on what Elder Benson said back in the day. Uh, not President Benson, because President Benson just chilled out and told us all like to read the Book of Mormon more. But Elder Benson was a very different sort of character. And people who are overly focused on one of the apostles who has now been, you know, God rest his soul, passed on for so many years uh, to the exclusion of the others. 
at the time and the others who are speaking now. Um, because really, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody. We take very seriously the injunction to go teach all nations and kindreds and tongues and people. And it ours is a very... The gospel of Jesus Christ invites everybody to come to him, black and white, bond and free, male and female. That is the solution to these problems. If you are putting yourself over somebody else because of your race, that is incorrect. That is a sin. If you think you're better than other people because you were born in America, that is incorrect. And that is a sin. And we are taught this by the gospel. And you got to stick to the basics, man. Jesus said to love everybody. And the scriptures are quite clear on this point, And so have the brethren been. And if you are off the road, if you're off the reservation, um, it's because you were focusing on things you maybe shouldn't have been focused on. And that's maybe where, again, I feel sympathetic to Petrie that these, these 30% or the, what is it? The, the 33% that are sympathetic to white Christian nationalism in this Pew survey um, are, are white nationalists adjacent, but they're not white nationalists yet. Um, but we need to make sure in our own congregations and our own social media feeds and public square magazine that we are teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ with all of its attendant side effects. And just as maybe a, a quick plug, um, for those of you who follow Nathaniel Givens on Twitter, he's been going a long time about how he thinks Christians in the Book of Mormon were a minority religion. And I'm not sure I completely agree with him, but he has some very interesting things to say. So I don't know if you want to go dig through all of Nathaniel Gibbons' Twitter feed to find some good nuggets, but uh, he's it's an ongoing sort of commentary as he reads the Book of Mormon, and uh, it's an ongoing thread of his. And I think he's there's some good stuff to learn about being a religious minority, because I hate to break it to you, but we are, and we probably will be until kingdom come. Anyway. I think uh, a, a plug for Nathaniel Gibbons is always welcome on this podcast. He's a uh-huh. friend of all of ours, and he's also a friend of the podcast. I do want to put in one last thought, um, and I want to do this without, on on the one hand, excusing behavior, or on the other hand, uh, you know, there, there's two two ways I could fall off here, and I want to be cautious. Um, I agree with you, Carl, that we should that we actually do have something to worry about here, right? Negativity bias, yes, but also there is a real problem. Um, what I'd like to point out is that I think part of what we are seeing is a weaponization and a radicalization of a percentage of folks that in the past really didn't have a voice. And one of the downsides of social media is they now have one and not just a voice, but a community. Um, that Some of the people who are most suggestible, I guess, is the way that I would say it. Um, in the past, they were kind of shushed at church and they went home and they, they taught weird stuff, but we just kind of ignored them. And we said, yeah, we all know so-and-so is crazy. And every word had one person and it was fine and it wasn't a big deal. And now those people have a big Facebook group and they all marked on the Capitol at the same time. Okay. Um, So in the first place, I think we are seeing the weaponization of a group of people that in the past had kind of been quieted. And and by the way, I'm, you know, I'm all for uh, egalitarianism, but, but at my core, there's a, there's a certain part of elitism in here. What's, what's the real role of publishers. It's to keep some people quiet. It's to be a gate so that the crazy ideas don't get out there. Right. And I think that's a really, really important way to, to frame this discussion. Now, if you think that what I am saying is run away from them, don't talk to them and isolate them more, I, I don't think that you could find a, a bigger opposite of my take. The, the experience I've had, and, and I think that the research literature, which I only know a little bit on this, earlier you called me a data scientist and I laughed out loud, but I was muted so you couldn't hear me. Um, my intuition- Well, I'm a theologian and we can't even count to three. So, you know. <laughs> That's a high quality joke. Um, so- 
my personal experience has been that the way that we we get people out of not white Christian nationalism, I, I agree with you, preaching the actual doctrine is the best way to clarify. Because when people see, and, and I'll give you an example of this, when people realize that that American exceptionalism can be a gateway drug into white Christian nationalism, that's a really good thing to explore. I am absolutely an American exceptionalist. I am also an, a Latter-day Saint exceptionalist. I wouldn't be in this church if I didn't think there was some awesome stuff about it, right? Like this is very obvious to me. But 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 drawing those lines and having those conversations. On the other hand, when I look at the people who are just a little bit weird, a little bit outcast, who have a bit of a rough rough life, who are very easily swayed into conspiracy theories, my my initial reaction is to say, "Oh, they are them and I am me and they are different from me and let me get away from them because my reputation is at stake." I, I remember Jesus saying that he dined with the the, the lepers and the sinners. And I, I don't think that's by accident. I, I, I think that right now we have a very tribal tendency to evaluate. I, I saw this just the other day. It was really frustrating to me. There's a BYU professor who follows the wrong people on Twitter. And there was this big hubbub about how, oh, don't, don't follow him. He's unclean. I mean, it, it almost felt like people were talking that way. Based on Twitter follows. Do you know who I follow on Twitter? I deliberately follow communists. I'm not talking about the good guys either. I have friends who are communists. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about like real legitimate, you know, problematic people. I follow RT.com, you know, like legit propaganda networks. I, I think that there are people who, who like, I, I also don't want to communicate that you should be friends with people to change them. I think there's something dishonest in that. But I think when you get to the core of it, the civility aspect is to say, I, I don't love the sin, but I do love the sinner, even when it comes to ideological sins. And that means that I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to try and, and, and there may be a time when I have to say, I'm sorry, your views are too extreme. I can't associate with you. There are people where I have to draw that line, but that line is not, you're a Christian. That line is not, you voted the other way from me. And I think, you know, having a very clear, the way that I said it when I was an administrator was um, big playgrounds, but high walls. I want to give teachers lots of space. I want, I want you to be able to, to make mistakes and, and, and take risks and do all of that stuff. And if you cross this line, it will be the end of your job right? There are certain things you just don't get to do with, you know, talking about professionalism with kids in the same way. I think we need those bright lines ideologically, but I also think that reaching out to people and interacting with people, um, I am changed when I interact with people in a better way because I see their perspective in a different way. And I think that that's probably true of all of us. And and part of the way we break the echo chamber effect is by saying, let's interact with people of, of a different, uh, you know, political stripe from us and recognize that there's good in who they are and, and, and all of those things. So, um, anybody have a, a comment that's burning a hole in their pocket? We've already gone on too long. Okay, in that case, I'm going to close this off. Thank you both for joining us. I think this has been a really rich and interesting discussion. Um, now I can point to it when people say, "What do you think about white Christian nationalism?" I can just throw the episode at them, and I, I don't have to, you know, I don't have time for nuance on Twitter. But now here's a, here's a good long discussion that's that's plenty nuanced. I think opposed is okay to say. Yeah, that, that, that's a fair uh, <laughs> right point. How do you feel about racism? Well, there's nuance. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> this is just mostly bad. Um, this is all just bad. Um, so <laughs> you can people, edit that mostly run out. See, like somebody was like, you just want to nuance everything. I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that is kind of a problem that I have. Um, but you know, there, there, there are worse things. Well, gents, thanks for being with me. This has been a pleasure. God bless. Be well. We'll t- talk to you all next time. Bye, thanks, for thanks for having us, Ben.